Welcome to episode 11 from the Casting Shadows podcast. This podcast is an extension of the Casting Shadows blog and the Casting Shadows YouTube channel. You can find either of them most easily, probably, by searching for my nom du RPG, Runeslinger. Anyway, if you're here, you probably already know about those. The topic for this episode, when it was originally put out there in the wilds of the internet, was almost a rant. I'm not known for ranting, but this one is one of those things that as a game master or as a fellow player, I find both annoying and disappointing. So, on April 14th of 2011... I wrote a blog post on Casting Shadows' blog called Playing Proactively. A rant? Well, I'll share that with you and how, over the nine years between then and now, my attitude may or may not have changed. If that sounds interesting, stay tuned. I find it interesting, sitting here in 2020, looking back on this post from 2011, to think about how many things have changed, both in how we are talking to each other as a, you know, ever looser community of people who share the same hobby, and just as people in general. When I wrote this post in 2011, playing proactively a rant. Its intention was primarily humor with a sprinkling of ideas that I hoped might spark discussion. Uh, I wasn't really looking for solidarity. I wasn't looking for, yeah, man, I've had that problem too. And it sucks. But what can you do? I wasn't looking for that kind of thing. I was looking for, yeah, you know, I have that problem too, and this is what I tried. Or, I'm having that problem now. What do you suggest? I was looking for discussion, interaction on a technical standpoint. And I was using humor as a tool to make it easier to get through some guy talking about techniques. For roleplay, of all things. Well, sometimes humor ages well and sometimes it doesn't. And sometimes we have a narrower view of our audience than is actually true. Or we don't recognize how long what we have put out there publicly might remain available and who might stumble across it someday. So when I look over this now, I feel like this is not something I would write now in this way. It's still something I very much agree with in terms of its overall philosophy, my considering of this attitude as a 
a fundamental part of how I enjoy roleplay. But to put it in these terms, I think it just doesn't work anymore. And that's why I'm making this particular podcast. One, to continue to share these ideas, these perspectives on things. And I've found over the years that this, this post and the information in it proves to be useful, not just for newcomers to the hobby, but people who've been playing for a long, long time and just haven't encountered the specific set of circumstances that brings about these ideas, these notions. So, in some of these episodes, we go through and we read, and I pause dramatically to um, share a different perspective from 2020. I'm not going to do this this time for a couple of reasons. And one is that the, the method of formatting the post on the screen uh, requires more voices than I have. There's there's bits of dialogue and there are bullet points and there's there's all sorts of stuff. So if you're interested in in reading what it was from, from 2011, the post was called Playing Proactively a Rant, question mark, and it's from April 14th of 2011, as we've said. But the ideas posited in here are that playing proactively means to connect the character to the setting in more ways than reacting to what the game master puts in front of you. I talk about different things like ownership, trying to become the proud owners of a, of a starship in Star Wars or having opinions about music or a restaurant or you know the the place where your that the, that your characters use as a hangout in Shadowrun and that sort of stuff connecting to it leaving graffiti on stuff making it your own personalizing it connecting to NPCs going out of your way to develop relationships with non-player characters that are involved in the setting around where your characters are and go. Not to the point of continually pulling away from what the group wants or what the group is doing, but in the, the nature of establishing realistic connections to things. right? Helping the game master in the shared duty of filling the world with people so that it doesn't seem empty and lifeless. I call out three things that I feel can be dealt with in order to help people be more proactive in play, to have characters that are more grounded in and more a part of the fictional world that they occupy. And these three things are passivity, contrariness, and fossilization. So passivity is obvious, right? The waiting for something to happen. And the bullet points I put in here are twofold. 
If you want something exciting to happen to your character, leave your lair. Go out and do things. It shouldn't always be, there's a knock on the door, and some dead relative has delivered the, a package of notes which will embroil you in an adventure. Right? It shouldn't always be that way. How about going to visit your uncle? Right? And while you're there, you can have a conversation with your uncle about his strange library and why he likes to keep people out of it and maybe force a confession out of him about, right? Be proactive. Go and do things. Actually having a family is part of that. <laughs> oh, look, it's another orphan character. How refreshing. The second bullet point was, if you want me to be a tourist in your static fairy world from your imagination write me a story. And I feel that a lot of the the big and popular games out there who in order to meet their deadlines in order to to have a certain number of up and coming you know freelancers or whatever involved in their product so that the product can represent the ever widening boundaries of our very awesome hobby as it as it spreads internationally and generationally if they put themselves under such time pressure that they need to hire a lot of writers and then don't give themselves any time to unify the message on its basic core principles then you'll wind up with games telling you here is this highly complex, very lethal role-playing game system that's focused almost entirely on combat and injury. And in this system of play, you are going to tell epic stories where the characters are going to become part of this dramatic multi-part campaign and finally, in the end, free the world from whatever terrible thing. So your system is saying, watch out, you could perish at any time. And the Game Master advice is saying, tell an epic story where the characters survive from start to finish as the heroes, as the protagonists. This is the heart and soul of incoherence. And if your purpose in playing a role-playing game is to tell the other players a story, then just write it and have them read it. Right? Don't force them into passivity. Because passivity has two sides. There's the people who don't do things for whatever reason. They're too shy. They don't know how to do what they want to do. They don't want to interrupt the other players. They don't think that their idea is cool or, or whatever, right? There are people who don't do things. And then there are people who are forced into a role that doesn't let them do anything because they are simply passengers on the train car of your story. That was the first point. The second point was about contentiousness. So here we have our hardworking game master, who is often the one to make the pitch, and they say, hey, would you like to play this? And they name a system. And maybe if, you know, they're, from my perspective, maybe less experienced, they actually go on to giving pitch number one. Like, would you like to play 
Shadowrun, second edition, with a group of riggers who, and then, you know, fill in the blank for what the riggers care about. Rather than what is probably a more open-to-collaboration pitch of, would you like to play Shadowrun 2nd Edition? Because I would like to run Shadowrun 2nd Edition. What about Shadowrun 2nd Edition interests you? And let's find common ground. right? Getting more investment from the outset. And then there are players who go, yeah, man, I'd totally love to do that. They agree to it. You get excited about it. You start working on it. And then it starts. Well, could we use third edition? And could we add in these non-Shadowrun elements? Or could we play Shadowrun in a non-Shadowrun sort of way? So you end up not actually playing Shadowrun second edition and or not actually playing Shadowrun at all. But you're kind of still in the group that agreed to play Shadowrun. And so there's this pall of dissatisfaction, which is baked into the experience. Right? The bullet point here was, if you don't want to play the game that is being pitched, say so. Be honest about it. Because the question was, would you like to play? And one of the answers to that is no. And a better answer is no, but I would like to play this other thing. Right? Then conversation, interaction, and collaboration can begin. And lo and behold, the group can find something it wants to play together. <laughs> Sometimes people agree to things with not really understanding the point and they can feel like their character doesn't really fit in. So they're not intentionally being contentious. They're accidentally being contentious. And they might not even be aware that the other people in the group are growing frustrated with how they don't seem to get it, how they don't seem to, to fit in with what we all agreed. If you're starting to feel that way about yourself, again, it's time to have a conversation about what it was that we all agreed to. If you, you know, games often have this fundamental point or theme. And if you don't know what it is, ask. Or if you're pretty sure, this is what I would add now from 2020, if you're pretty sure that someone in the group doesn't get it and can get it, they just, they've just, for whatever reason, have missed it, engage them in conversation. And not in a, you know, dude, seriously, your character sucks. Not in that way, right? <laughs> but it may be an awkward conversation, but it's better to have it and, again, help the group achieve its goals, not at the expense of one person and not with everyone feeling angst because of one person and not giving up on the whole thing because of, of one person, but taking the hit and saying, uh, you know, can we talk about last week's session? Did you have a great time? Because you didn't have a good time and no one else had a good time, the chances are that they didn't have a good time either. So they're going to say, no, not really. You know, it was okay, but you say, well, we're not really all on the same page. And this conversation isn't really about having the, 
the person who didn't get it, agreeing to conform. Just as reasonably, it might be about the group readjusting what the premise is in order to make the compromise around the table fair and equitable, and the result enjoyable. Hmm. The last part. <laughs> RPG does not mean rote paleontology game, and this was about fossilization. Right. This was about playing all the new games the same old way. Right. The bullet point was role-playing games involve taking on roles and creating strange new worlds. You can have more than one. Right? The idea that the Star Wars game should probably feel different than our Call of Cthulhu game and our Gunslingers game, and it should feel different from our Vampire game. And there should be a sense that we are cleansing our palate as we move from one system and setting to a new system and setting. We're giving that new game a chance to be that new game. And of course there's going to be a period of time where we don't get it as a group, where we are still interacting with each other in the comfortable ways brought about by learning the system and learning the procedures and processes of the previous game. But sooner or later, we need to recognize what era of Star Trek we're playing in, or we need to recognize what faction of vampires we are representing, or we need to realize that in this genre, we are not protagonists. We have to earn that title. Or in this other genre, we are protagonists and we have to live up to it. Or in this other genre, we're not going to be taking a protagonist-feeling character from the start of a story through to the end of a story. We might actually be playing in a multi-tiered, multi-generational, ongoing campaign with people playing descendants of characters and friends of the family and all sorts of things down through the ages that we won't be playing one character. We'll be playing many. Playing proactively, being aware of all of the things that the group has agreed to, being aware of what the game itself is asking us to do and giving us the opportunity to do, being aware that there may be things that are fundamentally different about how this game works. This is the road away from fossilization. This is freshness over staleness. Now, some of the examples that I used in here is playing the same character in game after game after game. And I've softened on that a little bit, especially as I've, over the last decade and a half, have been thinking about pulp characters and what makes them different from, from characters of other genres. And there is a certain satisfaction in being able to portray an archetypal kind of character. And there may be a blindness to the nuance in some of these characters in the playgroup. 
we might not be taking the time to look past the shell of the archetype. And in fact, we could be blinding ourselves with our own assumptions that Larry is playing the same character again. Maybe Larry is, and maybe we can help Larry loosen up on that, but maybe Larry isn't, and we've been missing out on some rich, internalized character detail. And this is a new point that I would definitely add in 2020, is that there are people who play externally, who speak in the third person, who describe what their character is wearing, and they describe what happens to their clothes as they walk across the room, and they describe the 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 interplay of all of that character's senses as if they were an author narrating that scene. And those people can seem incredibly active or proactive. They seem they can be seen as more engaged. They're they're opening up their imaginations to help everyone imagine the same thing the same way. But sitting at the same table could be someone who has an extremely rich inner life, an inner imagination of the scene, and they're contributing the information that needs to be contributed and allowing the others to embellish it in their own ways, silently in their own imaginations. Both of these experiences are vibrant, and it's where they clash that we run into problems. And a proactive player is one who can be aware enough to notice that we might be leveling the wrong criticisms or leveling the wrong advice to the wrong people. Which brings us back, finally, to the Holy Trinity. (laughs) But because it's the Holy Trinity, we don't need to talk about it now. So if I were to rewrite this, it probably wouldn't be funny. It might be more of a series of suggestions. And that's kind of a shame. You know, I'm sure I'm not the only one who likes at times to be funny. But it's getting harder and harder to use humor as a facilitator for conversation across conceptual lines. Right. If I think of gaming one way and you think of it of another, as another and we have just begun to realize that we have this difference, we haven't sorted out its boundaries yet or its qualities or its conditions, having a good time in that conversation rather than having it feel like work is an advantage. But anyway, I hope that this has been at least a little entertaining or if not entertaining, at least interesting to listen to. Let me know. There are various means to contact me. As an update here in the early parts of December 2020, as we are heading toward the end of the year, there are a number of things which are taking place on the YouTube channel, mostly involving actual play. So there's been an ongoing Ubiquity role-playing system Leagues of Adventure campaign, which runs roughly every two weeks, and the session length is from two to three hours. 
Leagues of Adventure is produced by Triple Ace Games, and this is a Steam Pulp game. So not Steampunk per se, but Steam Pulp with a focus on exploration and adventure. The campaign is called The Sky is No Limit and features three explorers, a professional explorer, a wealthy thrill seeker, and an inventor on an expedition on behalf of their patron to prove his theories that in the uninhabited reaches of the world, creatures from prehistory may yet remain. This campaign has been characterized by high humor, high adventure, and lots and lots of daring action. So it's been a lot of fun for us to play. And if you're curious about ways to approach Victorian-era role-playing without some of the problems which tend to go along with it, or if you're interested in the Ubiquity role-playing system, which we talk about here a lot, this would be one that I could recommend as being uh, of an introductory nature, uh, an inclusive nature for people who haven't played the game before, yet I hope still fun for those who have. We also have started a Star Trek Adventures campaign set in the original series era called First Response. We have a small ship, we have an able crew, and each episode will likely focus on their duty assignment of crisis response. Traveling across the Federation and beyond to bring help and defense to those who need it, those who are in times of crisis, such as disasters or the outbreak of war or the spread of virulent disease, which seems kind of a, a tiresome topic to us now, I think, after so many months of COVID-19. But if we look back at the original series, it turns out that disease was talked about in an awful lot of episodes. <laughs> Also salted away in there is the suggestion of a possible Romulan or maybe Gorn threat. Mm-hmm. Or maybe that's just a ruse by the Game Master. Who can say? So this is going on. Also, we have launched a Blue Planet campaign, believe it or not. And I, for one, have faith that the Blue Planet curse will not prevent that campaign from going forward. We have been continuing with our exploration of Circle of Hands, an Iron Age fantasy role-playing game by Adept Press, which has been a tremendous joy to undertake as a learning experience for the role-playing game learning group. So some of these games are just shared as games, such as The Sky Is No Limit. There are no commentary videos. There are no... Uh, recap and reflections videos. It's just play and a whole lot of fun. Sometimes there are contests, all of which now you have missed. <laughs> and some of them, like Circle of Hands and uh, Star Trek Adventures, include reflections and commentary by the players about uh, character actions and why things happened the way they did and why the Game Master did thus and such a thing and, and uh, how the system works and how the system uh, 
helps shape certain experiences or might work against certain experiences and, and this sort of stuff. So if any of that sounds interesting, please consider checking out youtube.com slash runeslinger. You have been listening to episode 11 of the Casting Shadows podcast. Our topic today was playing proactively and recognizing that a part of playing proactively is looking back at our behaviors and methodology and attitudes from the past and assessing them for fitness to move forward with us into the future, which is not to say that all things must change, but nothing should be retained without reason in the same way that nothing should be changed without reason. So, I hope you'll have great conversations with your game group in the months and years ahead. I hope that you will have fun playing the games that you want to play, that you'll find new and exciting games to get newly excited about. And I hope that you will share the ways that you play and the benefits that you get from it freely and openly. Until next time.